good job tonight with the Steve Choir Band. And I'm grateful for our band. I know it's extra, they're working extra hard. They're doing, um, and I'm grateful for that. See, you know, I was thinking about this this afternoon. I was thinking about folks who are not participating in different things. The Bible says that we're going to be rewarded for our labors. So if you're doing something easy, there's no reward in that. Not a bit. No crown, no nothing if you're looking for something easy. And you just want to show up, get up, go out, that's it. No nothing else, no reward there. He said he rewards us according to our labors, whether they be good or bad. Labor to me means back-breaking work. It's hard work serving Jesus. It's hard work having a great choir. It's hard work having a congregation. It's hard work building a Sunday school class. It's hard work dealing with Awana kids. Can I get an amen? And uh, it's hard work driving a bus. Can I get another amen? And so if you've ever not done some of those things, you probably don't know what labor is. But uh, I hope you'll consider that when you start saying we can't do this and we can't do that. We can do anything that God wants us to do anything. And I want to show you that tonight in 2 Kings chapter number 4. 2 Kings chapter number 4, looking at the life of Elisha. And I pray tonight that just just seven verses and we'll try to uh, move through them and let you see what God wants you to see. Look what the Bible says. There cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead. Now knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord. And the man and the creditors come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. And Elisha said to her, What shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou in thy house? And she, thine handmaid, hath not anything in the house save a pot of oil. He said, go borrow thee vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, empty vessels, borrow not a few. And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons and shall pour out into all those vessels and thou shalt set aside that which is full. So she went from him and shut the door upon her and upon her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured out. And it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me yet a vessel. And he said to her, there is not a vessel more. And the oil stayed, or we would say stopped. Then she came and told the man of God, this is Elisha. And he said, go sell the oil, pay thy debt, and live thou and thy children of the rest. It's a pretty good story, isn't it? It'd been a better story if you lived in that day. Miracle story if you lived in that day. So tonight, I want to just preach to you from this subject, from the grave to the bank. Amen? Let's bow our heads. Father, help us tonight. I especially need your 
grace tonight. And um, some of our folks need maybe special grace. Maybe they need a double portion of mercy today. Maybe they need to be filled with the Spirit tonight. Maybe there's just some comfort. Maybe there's just some conviction. Maybe there's just someone needs to be saved tonight. But God, do what you want to do, and we'll thank you for what you do. Um, we mess up everything we do. So thank you for being such a good God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Elisha is about to show us the private side that he had for com and compassion over these next few miracles. You don't see him preaching them bold sermons. You see him acting in compassion and meeting people's needs. Jesus preached very hard. In fact, the Bible said he preached very loud. But he also had those moments of quiet, passionate care to where he would go aside and touch somebody or heal somebody or put some people out of the building where they couldn't see what was going on and do a miracle. Now, that is not for entertainment. That is real. Amen? And so, uh, and how he's going to minister to the individuals all as their nation, the Jewish nation, he's going to deal with them. We're about to see God bring a poverty-stricken widow to a plentiful cupboard, okay? Three things I want you to see tonight, three applications of his story. I don't think I need too much explanation of his story because his story explains itself. So I'm going to give you more application tonight than I do explanation tonight or interpretation tonight. First of all, there's practical application. Practical. Second of all, there is spiritual application. And thirdly, there is symbolical inspiration. Now, the first thing we see is practical application. There's first verse number one says, we have a destitute widow. Here is a lady who had married a preacher. That was her first mistake. But she had messed around and married a preacher. Nobody warned her. Nobody must have told her. But she married a preacher. And he wasn't just, just any preacher. She married one of the preacher boys that was a in the Bible college to which... Elisha was teaching these young men how to be workers for God. Now, these young men didn't just quit working and start learning. In fact, the Scriptures, I think, makes it clear that these young men were working very hard, and, and, and they would work hard, and they get, then they would learn hard. Uh, everything they did in those days was hard. And so that's what they did. Today, we want it easy. We can go to school sitting in our living room. And they couldn't do that. They didn't have a computer. They didn't have a screen there in front of them. They had to learn from the prophets of old. And so Elisha keeps Elijah's prophets. There's four schools. He keeps them all going. And so... All of a sudden, this preacher boy, he's young, 
He's a member of that school of prophets. He's learning and growing in the Lord. He's already got to preach some great sermons in the Lord. And all of a sudden, he died. And this lady was left destitute, and not only destitute, but in debt. Are y'all with me tonight? So I want to talk about just two or three things about that. First of all, unexpected passing. This young man was not expecting to die. Unexpected passing. We expect young people not to die, but young people are dying every day. So he was young, and he certainly didn't worry too much about the future. He didn't worry about life insurance policies. He didn't worry about any of those particular things. He he just um, uh, he just simply died, and when he did, he left her destitute and he left her in debt some someone said that's just like a preacher to die and leave his wife in debt and that's about what a lot of preachers do a lot of preachers build up their debt they don't have sense enough to run their finances they don't have sense enough to be able to handle their money and so they run up a debt they have an unexpected passing and they're left destitute that's hard. That's hard. So because of that, you say, why was they destitute? Well, it may not be anything we can fuss about, but it may be. It could be they were destitute because of unwise planning. This unexpected passing, and she was destitute maybe because of unwise planning. Many have he chose to live outside his means and by extravagance, it could be he did that, I doubt it. I doubt he lived without his means and I doubt that he lived extravagantly. But all of us should live on the income that we have and within the borders of the income that God gives us. Now, I'm going to tell you, if you want to show it, if you want to flash it today, remember tomorrow you may not have any to flash. I believe God gives every person that's ever born enough to meet his needs all through this life. But if you waste some of it, you will be left destitute, unwise planning. If you need something, you plan for it. You, the Bible says there's owe no man anything. You ought to have a budget. You ought to work off of a budget. You young people ought to have a budget in your home. You say, if we have a budget, we never get to do anything. If you had a budget, you'll get to do something later on. But listen, now you don't need to get what your mom and daddy's got, what your grandmom and granddaddy's got. Now you just need to get hard at work doing what God wants you to do, serving God. And one of these days, God will start to see that thing bloom and grow for you. It is, it is that, that unwise planning that causes us problems. Oh, no man anything but to love one another, Romans 13, 8 says. Romans 12, 17 says, provide things, house in the sight of all men. 
Provide things honest in the sight of all men. Write that down. So not to pay your debts, not honest. If you don't pay a debt, it's dishonest. If it's a legitimate debt, it's not a cheating, it's somewhere where someone's cheated you. If it's a legitimate debt, it's dishonest not to pay that debt. But you need to plan you a budget or you'll never be able to pay any debts. If you go to buy something and you say, well, you think we have the money you ought to set down, you ought to figure out your expenses, and if you have enough left over to buy that at the end of every month, 12 months out of the year, you've got that money to buy that. But if you don't, you say, well, we just lack just a little bit. Don't get it. Just a little bit will get you in trouble. Just a little bit, just a little bit too far on that credit card to get you in trouble. Next thing you know, it's more and more and more and more, more and more. So make sure that you don't do have unwise planning. And preachers sometimes are the very worst. I, I, when I first started pastoring, people in our little town said, listen, I'd rather loan money to anybody in the world than a Baptist preacher. They're less likely to get beat. And so I'm grateful I made my mind up I grew up with us and dad. I grew up watching what it cost and what it cost. And I grew up and I said, God, by your grace, I may not ever have anything, but God, I don't live my life under anybody's bondage. And so I've tried my best. I got in debt very early in my life, but we got out of debt very early in our life and have stayed that way. Now, when the hospitals get through with us, I'm not so sure. But anyway, I want you to plan. Young people, will you promise me that? You know, many times the reason we have divorce problems and the reason we have family problems is because of money. Money. So, so listen, a lot, but... It could be, it could be that this debt, you know, could have come because he had a testimony that wasn't very pious and, and, and go, going to school is hard enough on students and much less uh, married students. And so maybe he was really unwise in planning by trying to go to school, having student loans and Pell Grants and all that kind of stuff. And now if you want to go, you can go free, but it, I don't remember those days that they didn't live in my day. But a lot of these who complain about their unwise planning are those who have a greater advantage. Now, be careful. Some of you have more than other people, and you feel real good about yourself because you don't owe anybody anything, and you got a good nest egg stuck back, and you feel real good about yourself. Listen, don't feel good about that. Most of the time, you're just given a head start by someone or by something, you inherited something, you got something, but most of the time you were given a head start. Inheritance is, sometimes gives us a head start. 
Or maybe you got a break right off the bat and you got a good job. Not a bad job, but you got a good job. You didn't work your way up from grilling at McDonald's. You had a good job. Maybe you got that. Or maybe you have a bank account because you don't tithe. And hadn't for 40 years. Add that up. Give it to God. He'll get it. He'll get it. And, and, and so another reason that you may have what you have is because you're so ungenerous. I don't know that's a word, non-generous. Just not, just ain't generous. How's that? You wouldn't give anybody anything if the Holy Ghost sat down on you and squeezed you like a lemon. Because you're holding on to them bills. I tell you, I'd like for Hillcrest to become a giving church. I don't want to give somebody something because I have to. I want to give somebody something because I want to. And so this is what, uh, thirdly, I want you to notice this unembarrassed preacher. We do not know how the prophets live except off of what people gave them and are they made for themselves. In chapter 4, verse 42, we do know that they went out and worked a little bit and made some things. But uh, Elijah, you remember, was he lived off of ravens who come and fed him. And Elisha left his farm, a really prosperous farm, to go into full-time ministry with absolutely no income whatsoever. He just walked away and followed Elijah. Most lived on the bare necessities of life. Stu student pastorates paid very little when I was in Bible college. And uh, they just didn't pay very much to go. They, they also didn't get paid very much to have a job. Till I started pastoring a church for about six weeks. Um, I, I worked at McDonald's. I worked night shift. I'd work, I'd go in about 3 o'clock, and I worked about 2 o'clock in the morning. I'd come, I'd go to school all day, and then go back and do that at night, and I'd be preaching somewhere just about every Sunday and Sunday night. And uh, then when God called me to pastor, I never was so glad to say goodbye to those golden arches in my life. Because they wouldn't let me witness in there. They made me quit putting tracks in the bathroom. I figured that's a good place. <laughs> Everybody got to go sometime. So, it, I don't know. He may have gotten the shape because he just wasn't paid money. You know, there are some churches that'll starve their pastor to death. Every now and then, someone says, "Well, you know, we pay our preacher too much. Let me come, come up here. And let me talk to you. And let me tell you, for fifteen years, you didn't pay me very much." So don't be bragging about that. I was the least paid pastor in this town. And at that time, we were one of beginning to be one equal to the largest church in this town. It's still that way. It'll always be that way because I'm a blue-collar pastor and they're not. That's why country pastors have such a difficult time now because of this insurance mess that's come up. We can sure praise God for Obama. He really helped us out. 
They can't even, listen, a, a country preacher's insurance costs more than it would to pay him a salary. It's horrible. So we don't know why he got in debt, but I just want you to be careful, okay? The fourth thing is an unavoidable persecution. They, he may have gotten this situation because he'd been hiding out and he couldn't work. Or it could be maybe that they, Ahab and Jezebel sent the false prophets and their soldiers down to destroy his crops and to kill his cattle. It could be he got in that kind of a shape because somebody abused him. We don't know. But whatever it was, that unexpected passing left his wife destitute with two little boys to raise. But knocking at the door before they could get him in a cave somewhere and roll a rock over the door, somebody's knocking at the door and saying, you owe me this, your husband bought this, I'll take your two kids and they will work it off for me. That was a common practice in that day. She didn't want that to happen because that's all she had was those boys now. But she was a desperate widow. Her cry shows it. Verse number one, she cried. They're crying, woman. Oh, she, she was hurting. She'd probably done everything she could. Hand me down clothes. Um, lived in places other people wouldn't live in. All those kinds of things. I know when we started pastoring, we did. We never took vacations. We didn't have the money because we pastored Baptist churches. Our people took vacations, but we didn't. No, we didn't. We couldn't. You see, we didn't get to live in nice homes. Our people did, but we didn't. And I bought my first house with an FHA loan, 1,100 square foot counting the garage. And that was our first house. That's the only one we ever, after that all we lived in was parsonages, parsonages and I'm going to tell you something, parsonages, it, every church ought to burn them down. Because I'll guarantee you, they'll never fix them up. They'll never make it right. It'll be the most horrible place you ever lived in your life to live in a parsonage. I believe they turn bugs loose, and preachers do when they leave, just so you've got to go through what they went through. But anyway, this desperate widow, her cry showed that she was desperate. Her creditor showed that she was desperate. Her capital shows that she was desperate in verse number two because she didn't have any. All she has is the house. And in that house, he, he said, what have you got? A pot of oil. Nothing but a pot of oil. She thought, that can't be much, a pot of oil. You see, she hadn't gotten to the New Testament yet. She hadn't heard about the, about the five, fi five loaves and two fishes. She hadn't heard about the seven loaves and two fishes. She hadn't heard that Jesus fed 5,000 one day and 7,000 another day. She just hadn't heard about that widow down there to where they fed them with ravens. Listen, she'd missed out on hearing all that stuff. So she was desperate, but you're not. You've heard it all. You've got a book full of it. 
God sometimes brings us to the, won't you just write this down. I don't say much worth of writing down, worthy of writing down, so write this down. Y'all ready? Got your pencil out? I saw you poke your wife and said, do it for me. Write this down. God sometimes brings us to the end of our resources so we can see him work more clearly. Can I say it again? God sometimes brings us to the end of our resources so we can see him work more clearly. Thirdly, she was dedicated with it. Verse 3 through 5 she went, the Bible says, according to the word of God from the man of God. She obeyed in faith, believing faith. Not only that, she was a dependent widow. She was dependent on the prophet Elisha. Folks, listen, we ought to depend on God's man to give us God's word. Where else they going to go? We used to get it in our high school chapels, but we don't do it anymore. We used to get it at our, at our fairs, and, and we used to get it in public places, and we used to get it on the town square. And we get all those things we used to hear preaching all the time. Preaching was everywhere, but now they don't hear preaching anywhere except in just some churches who preach the Bible. So, mm, she was dependent with her on the prophet Elijah, because she needed to depend on God's man for a word from God, and so do you. Not only that, she was dependent on her sons. She needed those boys' help. Number three, she was dependent on her neighbors. Where's she going to get those vessels? Where's she going to get them little bottles, big bottles, whatever she could get that, that they could give her and she could go and fill up her house with where, where she could get. Remember, they had some very, very, very small houses, many of them did. And so where would they, she get those vessels? From her neighbors. She depended on her neighbors. If she had bad neighbors, she'd starve to death. She depended on her neighbors. And she did exactly what God told her to do. She went and she got those vessels and they hustled up those vessels and they filled it up. And then she depended on her God. She didn't know what was about to happen. God didn't tell her all she knew. She had a bunch of old, old, dirty, nasty, open vessels laying all over her house, as many as she could get in there. She didn't know what was about to happen, but God said do it. So she loved God. She believed God. She obeyed God and she did. So Jesus, this was a test of her faith and her obedience. And most of us fuss and complain and refuse what God has already told us to do. Can I see some of our people getting together vessels, not knowing what was going to happen? But God had said it, but we think it's the silliest thing in the world. I'm sure she didn't quite understand it, but she obeyed. Actually, she was a discreet widow, verse 4 and 5. She, this was a private thing, not a public thing. Such a, look what he tells her. He tells her, don't let anybody else in on this. But we, we don't want them to see this. 
We don't want them to know what goes on in here. You see the compassionate side of him? We, we don't want them to know uh, that your husband was a, uh, had a great credit record. We don't want them to know. We don't want them to know anything about your life. We're going to put this thing together. Also, we don't want them to know anything about your faith. I'm doing this just for you. You remember Jesus did that on some occasions? He would put people out, take them outside. Talitha Kumai, you remember when he raised the little girl? He put everybody else outside because they was mocking and scoffing and said, she's dead. He said, shut the door on that bunch of unbelievers. Just keep a few in here that believe. And he said, Talitha Kumai, and raised her from the dead. And the first thing they gave her was something to eat. That's right. Fast food, I'm sure. And so she was very discreet. She did it privately, but then something else. She was a depositing widow, verse number seven. They filled every vessel they borrowed from the one she had. Y'all didn't hear that, or somebody would have said amen. She filled every vessel they borrowed from the one she had. She had one with just a little bitty oil in it, and she filled every one she could get with the oil she had in her little bitty bottle. But it was enough to pay all of her debts, and it was enough for her family to live on the rest of her life. It got good. It got good. I don't know what's going to happen at your house tomorrow. I have no idea. But I know this. Nothing is too hard for God.